Perez. Walter makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello, and welcome to a Burkamp London and Arsenal podcast. My name is Carl. I am a little depressed. Not just because, you know, Arsenal on a downward spiral. Also, the fact that I turned 40 this month. I never thought I'd see the day, but we move. Um, we're now on a countdown to me turning the big four zero. Sad times, sad, sad times. But I'm not as old as the first person I'm going to introduce, the butter monkey himself, Danny. How old are you, Danny? Because you're way, 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 way older than I am. What, mentally, physically, or actually biologically? Because there's three different numbers there. I mean, <laughs> probably all of the above, to be honest. Oh, I think mentally about 12, physically about 80, and actually 52. So it was just the average of that lot. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know you were 40. About 40 yeah. <laughs> I think I've known you since you were probably in your late 20s. Yes, yes, wow. definitely. Jeez. Time has Danny. been good to you because you don't look any different. Black don't crack, Danny. That's that's the secret to it. Like Femi will tell you. Like black don't crack, it's fine. Like we're fine. What does pink not? What does pink not do? Uh, pink doesn't well blink. in the, I, doesn't I, do well in the sun. People <laughs> 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 get blisters and go red and peel. Oh, oh God, how are you, Danny? How are you? Uh, well, mentally, how's Arsenal doing with your mental health? Uh, luckily I don't have any problems with mental health it's just mental all the time so no I'm like I don't I'm fine it's um it's it, we've been through it all before and we've been through it all again we've got some I've got some things that I want to share during the show and I, and I said uh, before the show that uh, in there's already one league title history in we would have won with this with the 75 points we got now that that was good enough to win one Premier League title so far and we've got five games left to go and uh, it's all right. You can't, like Carl, like Dan Femi said before the show started, Carl, he said, Man City are a juggernaut. There you go. Sums it up, really, doesn't it? Just, you can't, you can't beat that. They've got two first teams. We've barely got one. You're not wrong there. You're not wrong there. Uh, now I'm going to introduce the man who's the reason I'm going to the game tomorrow or today, whenever you listen to this game. Uh, Femi, first of all, thank you thank you very, very much for me for giving me the uh, ticket. Much appreciated. And uh, how are you? No, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, yeah, all good, all good. Um, <clears throat> that's what I always say to people, man. Don't go on these mad websites paying. I wonder how people are going to feel if we if there's nothing on that Wolves game that people have paid thousands of pounds to go to. <laughs> how are they gonna feel at, at that you know just be careful where you buy your tickets from that's all i'll ever say but yeah all good all good um ready to ready to break down a, sh- a game that i watched on the phone <laughs> oh, <gosh>. and <laughs> last but no means least the man the only man in here without a beard uh nick how are you i'm good mate i'll get a beard once i hit puberty i mean i'm not quite as old as you so maybe one day Oh, God. At least 
you can grow some facial hair unlike uh, John, because even though he's got a beard, you know, his beard is still not quite grown in yet. So there is time, Nick, there is time. Anyway, no further, let's crack on. I'm going to stick with you, Nick. So we're going to talk about the Man City game because that's what I guess we're here to talk about. Um, you know, in the run-up to the game, we were talking about, I think in the group that we've got, we are talking about the um, line-up on who should play on, you know, with Saliba being out and we'll talk about more about Saliba later on. But um, did you think that Mikel would make any changes to the starting lineup? I would have liked him to, but I just don't think we've got the depth in the squad to set up any other way than how we've been setting up pretty much all season. We are I don't I don't like to use the word the term one trick pony, but we are a bit of a one trick pony. We play a certain way, we attack a certain way, very flank heavy, you know, with like Saka, Martinelli, and it relies on people like, you know, Saliba and Party to be on it at all times. And the last few what games and months, we've just been slowly like dying to death with things like that. And like I say, with the Man City game, it's kind of expected. I think everyone, I don't think anyone had us down to win that game, but we were hoping that all the other games, if we'd have done better in those, it wouldn't have mattered. Because, you know, like I said, at one stage, I think it was before the Liverpool game, and then before the Man City game, we could have gone like eight or nine points clear. So I'd have rather been playing them when we're eight or nine points clear. And then it doesn't matter, does it, Carl? No, I agree. Like, I think um, if you go into mentality with an air, it's almost like an air of grace to think even if we do drop points here, we're still ahead of you. And I think it almost and I tweeted this from the pod account, like we, it almost seemed like we were a bit scared to play them um, when we sort of, during the game in the first half for me was atrocious and like completely infamous. I know you watched um, the game on your mobile phone because you was out, <laughs> but you know, it almost seemed like we couldn't string two passes together. And I, I, and I think I said this in my other group, like I don't know if Man City are playing that good or we are just playing bad. Like I really couldn't tell because I mean, you know, they changed their formation. They went practically 4-4-2 and they put um, KDB up front with Haaland. And and I think that threw, that kind of threw Arsenal off because if you've got two good players who are playing that high and their link-up play was quite good. And, you know, with all the will in the world, Rob Holding is not William Saliba. And every time you sort of saw Rob holding the ball, you kind of worried a little bit. And now I'm not saying that he's the, the main reason why we lost. Not, by no means least is he, because I don't think anyone sort of came out of the game with their head held high. But could you tell whether like Man City were just playing that well or were we just playing badly? You know what I'll say? Um, what, I, <clears throat> what I did was I listened... Because I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't hear any of the commentary. Look at my voice going. I, I'm so emotional about the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't listen to the commentary, so I just had the chance to just watch the game with no commentary. So I couldn't. I, I just saw us getting absolute. And I watched with a, a a Liverpool fan and a Chelsea fan sitting next to me as well, all watching on my my phone while we were at a concert. Now, what I did do after the match was I listened to the Man City kind of press conferences and their comments. And one thing that you know is is KDB said they had a specific plan for us. They literally, and you saw it as well, if you go back and watch the game, you'll see it. They literally covered 
um, him, he said him and Harlan's task was to cover um, the space between Party and Gabrielle. And Jack Greeley's job was to cover um, Ben White. So basically, as soon as Rob Holding got the ball, we couldn't do any of the tactics we wanted to do in terms of dropping uh, Party back to get the ball or anything like that. They literally man-marked certain spaces, not even players, certain spaces. So then they forced... Rob, basically, what they were saying is they forced Rob Holding to have the ball, basically. So they had a specific plan for every single player. Then, for our two wide players, they paid a special attention to them, is what Pep said. They paid special attention to Saka and to Martinelli. So they had a plan for every scenario that they were going to face in that game. Now, as much as you know, Arteta is good, he's a very smart manager, he just got showed that, day, that game that Pep is still the ultimate master, <laughs> you know, he, he's a master. He's as much as we've been preparing for this game, we had no actual plan or we didn't even get to see a plan because I, I was, once we let in one goal, I said, I said in my mind, if we let in an early goal, it could have been any scoreline and to keep it to four, to be honest, we were lucky. It wasn't like it, it was at Ramsdale could have got man of the match to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, um, you're not wrong. He definitely kept us in the game, but he also had a mistake in him, which uh, I'm not happy about. Uh, Danny, that game kind of did kind of show up Mikel Arteta a little bit, just because, you know, Man City changed the way they played. I mean, they're still, a, 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 you know, I mean, like we were saying earlier, a juggernaut of a team and, you know, no matter who they bring in, they can do a job. But do you feel that Arteta didn't do much to try and change the game. As in, I remember when we played them in the FA Cup, Arteta went man for man. He went man for man marking. And, and even Pep said, that surprised me a lot because they didn't know how to handle it. We Every time one of their guys got the ball, we was on them straight away. And it just seemed like, and it probably was, and um, I didn't see it, but it just seemed like there was no game plan uh, to play Man City. Like, I don't know what we was meant to do. We weren't really played through the middle. We weren't going wide. We weren't giving the ball to Saka or Martinelli. I think this must have been one of the lowest games where they had touches in the game because I can't really remember either of them doing anything. And like Femi said, um, Pep played special attention to them. So is that a case of, like I said, Man City just playing good or we just didn't really handle what they had for us? Oh, talking of, of um, touches, Martinelli had 11 touches. That's how, yeah. how how good a job they did. And out of all of our players, going to what, what Femi said, Holding had the most number of touches of 89. The next lowest down was 68, which is Inchenko and Margales. So I, I I didn't know about what you just said, Femi. That is amazing. And that probably and, made, that probably adds up to what you're saying. They had yeah. a plan and it, yeah. it perfectly executed. It's amazing the fact that they go, who can't pass? Um, uh, holding make sure he keeps the ball in and then whoever he's going to pass to make sure he can't and then when 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 they have the ball Zinchenko is going to cut in midfield like we were saying before the show and when he cuts in midfield there you go you you, you, you spank it down the right hand side I think the only excuse that Arteta could possibly have I've been apart from they're the greatest team in the world probably one of the two or three best Premier League teams of ever um, the excuse could be well do you want me to go there and defend if 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 we wanted to go there and defend, well, he couldn't because Saliba's out, and then uh, Zinchenko's not a great defender. He plays, as we all know, where he plays for Ukraine, and 
if you want defence, then you should maybe you should have played Zinchenko in a, a defensive holding midfield next in or in front of next to party, and play uh, uh, Tyranny at left back. At least that way, you've got six solid defenders doing a defending job. Have Xhaka floating around in front of the other two. But then again, if we if he'd have gone to um, he said main road there, if if he'd have gone to Man City and played. Six at the back with uh, Xhaka playing a, another holding midfielder. People have gone, oh, you, you ain't gone there to try. How are you going to win the league if you don't go there and try? Do you reckon that's got any, any, any legs? I mean, maybe, but for me, you know you're going to be under pressure when you play Man City. You know that Pep is going to try and do something against his young apprentice. That like He's going to definitely try and outsmart him somehow. And he did it. I mean, we're going there without our first choice centre-back pairing and no matter how much you look at it, Rob Holding is at a disadvantage uh, to our team. He doesn't, like we was all just saying, the plan for Man City was give Rob Holding the ball. Like if, if <laughs> could you imagine them doing that to any other team? Like they're, they're literally saying when you give Rob Holding the ball that we know there's no danger. So there's over two things he's going to do. He's going to hit it back to the keeper Ramsdale who's going to get him kick it long. Uh, or he's going to kick it long himself, and then he's going to, um, they're going to be on the attack again. So you, you kind of lost at what you do, and that's what kind of, I mean, that's where their first goal came from, didn't it? Like um, it was a long punt up, long punt um, upfield. I think it was controlled by Haaland, and then um, KDB just sort of ran from the halfway line into space, and no one attacked him. No one went to him, everyone was running back, which I found really weird because it was only him up there. So if you go to attack him or you go to try and tackle him, he's not going to pass to anyone. The only thing he can do is pass back. So that's what's kind of annoyed me. And then he's taken a shot from God knows how far out and he's beaten Ramsdale into the bottom post. I mean, I've listened to a lot of people and I've seen that people saying, oh, you know, Ramsdale's not a fault there. I think it kind of is. If you have a shot, I mean, the shot for me is absolutely brilliant. Starts from outside the post and it curls right back in. It's absolutely brilliant, but no keeper should get beaten from that far out. Don't you think, Nick? Like, really and truly, he's really got to save that. Well, some of the best keepers in the world have off days. I mean, he made quite a few saves for us in that game. And this season, I mean, so I watched it, even though I tried to block it all from a memory, I did watch it again, the highlights, just to feel more pain. And I looked at it, I was like, yeah, he possibly should have done better. But like I said, he, I mean, De Bruyne is that good. And he, and he is playing really well at the moment. I mean, I've like said De Bruyne for a few years. I thought he's quite overrated. And I didn't think he was that world-class. But since um, Aguero's left, he's really stepped up and actually starting to look the player everyone says he is. I mean, he's like I said, he's on fire at the moment. And I mean, Ramsdale, maybe he could have got fingertips to it, but I'd, like I said, I just think it was just that good goal. Just how he done it. He couldn't have. I mean, if he'd have tried to put it in the air, I think Ramsdale would have saved it. I think that's the only way he could have done it. He it was almost past him before he even thought about diving. You know, because like I said, I don't think he was expecting our whole team to just let him run through everybody. No one put a tackle in. No one get close to him and let him shoot from that far out. 
you know, so, so you know, it's always a bit just. I just think it's a bit mean always to blame the goalkeepers when there were so many mistakes leading up to that. But I mean, I mean, maybe the other two will think differently. We're not really a team of tacklers, are we? We don't really, we don't really rattle tackles in, do we? We we kind of we prefer to be a more controlled team. So uh, even even doing what Danny said, which is sticking a lot loads of players behind the ball and trying to ride it out i can't see our team being built even for that maybe a couple of years ago when arteta first started building the team we could have we would even better at doing that but this city just seems to have our number no matter what we do whether we play well whether we play badly it doesn't matter what they beat us on every occasion i i was trying to think back that the fa cup game that we beat them on the arteta um would well, Oba score two goals, right? I got, that was behind closed doors, wasn't it? Um, yeah. During, it, yeah, it's just weird that they just have our number no matter what, how we turn up, what form we turn up in. 16, they've beaten it, It's ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. And Does anyone actually think, even with Saliba and us, even if we were playing the best we've been playing all season, would anyone actually think we would have beat them? No, because they they were so fired up for that game. Well, I haven't seen them that fired up for a game in a long time. Even the Champions League game against Bayern, they weren't that up for it. They were really, really up for this game for some reason. Well, that says they, something about us, though, doesn't it? It does. They see it us does. as a threat. Yeah, they do. They do see us as a threat. I think they think of us more than some of our fans think of us, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, true, they, they, yeah. that was a real compliment, the way that they went about that game, the celebrations at the end. They really wanted it. And we're just, unfortunately, not ready for that. You know what you what I'd say, Carl, is we are literally, I'm not even going to lie to you, once we drew the Liverpool game, I thought it was over. We were in a position where we couldn't even draw one game. I know people think West Ham and and um, and Southampton. But if you really think about it, even if we went into this game, West Ham and Southampton won, would have been, what, nine points clear with with two games in hand. So if they would have beaten us, it would have been six points, yes, but they would have still had those two games in hand. And because of their goal difference, I kind of knew we pretty much had to win every... As long as they kept winning, we had to keep winning. Because the only thing, even though the points look crazy, like eight points, 11 points, whatever, the only thing that was separating us was that draw against Nottingham Forest that they had. So once we drew against Liverpool, we were already behind them. And then we, you know, so it was, the pressure was just immense. And they, they live for that. They live for that. I, I read, a, um, a, what is BBC saying a stat yesterday that in April for the last four years, they've pretty much won every single game in April when it's crunch time. I think they've lost one and that was when they had the league wrapped up. So this is their time of the season and we, this is the first time we've been here. So that's the only, you know, we have to cut ourselves a little bit of slack, but, you know, it's, it hurt, but, you know, it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, um, it's disappointing. And what makes it worse is that sort of last season, it just throws shades of the same thing that happening where we had kind of almost had our destiny in our own hands and then we threw it away. Like, I don't know if there's a a mentality thing of why, you know, last season we had the, our destiny in our own hands to get into the Champions League and we didn't do it. And then this season is kind of the same thing happening. I mean, Danny, do you think mental fatigue is an actual real mm-hmm. thing? 
because you're looking at it and you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, the Liverpool game, yeah, which if you're tuning up away to An- An- Anfield, and I don't believe all this Anfield hype, I really don't. Like, I just think it's a load of media bullshit. Um, but when you're tuning up and then you come back to draw, um, to get a draw, and then you go away to West Ham and you're tuning up, and then the same thing happens, like. Surely, in your head, like even in the player's head, they must be thinking something. So, do you think mental fatigue is a real thing, or do you think that we had Man City on the brain even when we were playing Liverpool and uh, West Ham? I think it's all of those things. It's just the pressure. And we were I was saying to Deke in the post-game show that we'll see. We have got some big games coming up. Don't Chelsea is one of those games that. Much like Spurs, that it doesn't matter where who's doing what in the league, it, form and all that lot can go out the window. Um, and we will see against big games against Chelsea, big games against Newcastle, and a big game against Brighton. They're similar in size and stature to the Southampton, no, not the Southampton, to the to the Liverpool game, possibly the West Ham because West Ham home are a decent side. And then we will see if we play because we have looked so nervous. Party has been awful for four or five games now. And we will see that it looks like now the league has gone to some. I mean, you never mathematically it's still possible, but we will see tomorrow night if we are still playing with the same lack of confidence that we've been playing in the last four games. Whether the the fact that now the league has possibly gone, the players might be able to relax and get back to playing the game they were playing before. Because up until the last four or five games, they've been playing wonderful, beautiful attacking football, and now all of a sudden, party's falling apart. Uh, Martinelli isn't doing anything. Saka has struggled to do much in the last few games, and then the only decent player we've got is has been Trossard. And that stat that I gave you before before we started, Carl, Trossard has played 15 games for the Arsenal. He started four, and of those first no, those first four games that he played, he came on as a sub. We won one of those, and then he played the next seven in a row, scoring six assists, and we won all seven. And then the next four games, he came on as a sub again, and we didn't win any of them. I mean. Little things like that. A player who's come to the club and has shone from the moment he's got here and then Arteta's gone, nah, you're good enough to come on as a sub so he's not injured game after game. And little things like that has got to chip away. And other people have got to look at that. I mean, there must be players at the club are going to look at Zinchenko and go, you're not a left back. I mean, you you do the job that Arteta wants. And we saw a couple of weeks ago when and when uh, Tierney came in and tried to do the Zinchenko job. It's so weird watching Tierney rather than sprinting down the left side, cutting into the centre of midfield. So he's tried to do that job. And it's not something I think you can just pick up, but he can't do it. Much like Zinchenko isn't really good at playing the left-back role. And so it depends on who you're going to ask to do what and, and, and go where. But... If you're an Arsenal player, you've got to be looking at the last game and going, oh, we just needed someone to be able to defend at left-back and Zinchenko can't do it. Maybe he can do it against some teams, but the gist of your answer to your question, Carl, we'll see if we play better football. Now the pressure's off. I mean, you're hoping so uh, because, I mean, we'll talk about it later. I just want to stick to the Man City game for at the moment. Um, we conceded another set-piece goal, which is... A little bit worrying, like really, really worrying. Nick, this is kind of like. Do you remember before the World Cup, we were being lauded as like we haven't conceded a set piece goal all season, and everyone was happy, and you know we was being lauded with um, our set piece coach being the best in the world. And since the World Cup, we have conceded so many goals from set pieces. What do you think has happened, Nick? 
Well, obviously, after that, you know, after the, the World Cup and Christmas not out of the way, it's the halfway point. We've played everyone once, and they've learned from what we've done to them in the first game. So they're not going to come back and make the same mistakes they made against us in the second game, are they? You know, that's that's what club sides do. They learn from their mistakes. I mean, I mean, I remember like more horrible memories when we went out a few years ago and we absolutely spanked Birmingham in the league and then we played them in the League Cup final. I granted they bought about eight or nine players and that, but you know, they weren't gonna allow us to do what we did to them before. These you know, these premiership sides, pretty much all of them, top to bottom, they get, they get good money. They've all got good players. You know, even, you know, like Southampton, bottom of the league, they've got three or four decent players that would get into mid-table to top team, you know, squads in the premiership. You know, so they're good sides. So they, they just learn from what we do. That's why it always gets a halfway point. And I just think, like Femi said, we've, we've become predictable we, you know, we couldn't park the bus against City because I don't, like you said, we haven't got the squad or the players or mentality to do that. And that's pretty much what's cost us the league. I mean, going back, which is going back a long time to the Invincibles, what could the Invincibles not do? They could do everything. They could attack. They could counterattack. They could defend. If you wanted to have a scrap, they'd have a scrap. They were good in the air. They were fast. They could control the tempo of the game. They could do everything. Whereas this Arsenal side at the moment, they're good fair weather players when everything's going right. You know, it's like we've lost Saliba, one player out of 11 and one out of the squad, and everything's gone to shit just for one player. And it's... You know, I mean, he is a good player, Saliba, even though this is first season for us and we're talking about, like, he's the Messiah. But I just think just the way he he links up well with Gabriel, the same as, you know, partnerships and things like that are really important. I think if Gabriel would have got injured and Holden would have come in and played with Saliba, I think we'd do a lot better because, I mean, Danny said that he's getting, he's trying to make Rob Holden play like Saliba. He's not. He's Rob Holden. He's trying to get Tierney when he come in to play like Zinchenko. He's not. He's Tierney. He's great at running up and down, overlapping with the wingers and really good pacey and a good defender. You know, Arteta, and whether that's because he spent a lot of time, you know, under Wenger, you know, he was Wenger's captain for a fair few years as well. That I mean, Wenger had one way of playing for the last, what, 10, 15 years of his, you know, as he was manager. And he would never have no B plan. So Arteta, if he wants to, you know, continue to be a decent manager and not get sacked and fall down the ranks, he's got to know how to adjust his side, not completely change it. But like you said, Pep changed Man City, this juggernaut of a side with two squads that could probably win the premiership. He show us respect and change the way they play to stop us from playing. So why why do we not think we have to do the same against other sides? Do you think but it's something to do... Sorry, that go on. I was going to say, we're not a Bob Holding hating podcast. Bob Holding got a 91% pass success rate. But like you said, Carl, most of that was back to the goalkeeper. He scored the only goal of the game for us, and he did a last-man tackle. So I like Big Bob. But Big Bob's at the club knowing that he's fourth or fifth-choice centre-back, and he's happy with that. Well, he's, he's content with that, Carl. Yeah, I mean, you're right. And 
what I'm saying is, and I'm going to Femi now, um, I don't feel like one player should totally disrupt our season. When um, Jesus was out for all their months, we was winning games. We beat Man United. We beat, um, I can't remember who, but we beat other teams like without um, Gabriel Jesus in the squad. And, you know, we we all, when we heard after the World Cup that he was going to be out for months, I think we all tore our hair out. We all, like, was going to jump off a building because we just thought, oh, my God, our striker. And then um, Eddie came in, and Eddie done an absolutely brilliant job when he came in, um, scoring absolutely loads of goals, vital goals. The fact that there's such a drop-off from um, Saliba to holding is very, very weird. And that just shows that, you know, you take out one cog and we literally fall apart. And Saliba is such a big part of the way we play. And and I think I've been saying this in our group and I think in other various groups and people have literally chastised me. There's no guarantee Saliba's going to be here next season. Uh, Saliba has mm-hmm. one year left on his contract. Now, I don't know if you saw from David Ornstein, and he's been saying that there has been absolutely no talk at all about Saliba signing a new contract. No talk, nothing at all. So I guess I'll come to you, Femi. If there's no talk of him signing the contract, at what point do you cut your losses and say, all right, cool, your value is high, we have to sell you because I understand he's got his back injury and no one knows actually the extent of his back injury and any potential club that comes in for him, uh, whoever comes in for him, they're going to want to know exactly what's wrong with his back. They're going to put him through a rigorous, um, um, a rigorous signing on um, um, contract that they're going to actually look medical. That's the word I'm looking for. They're going to look for, they're going to put him for a rigorous medical so, I don't know what happens. Do you cut your losses with him? If he says, I'm not selling, I'm not signing, it is what it is. Do you keep him for another year, hoping that he signs on in that year and then risk selling him for, well, risk him walking away for free? Or do you cut your losses and sell him um, at the start of the season? Oh, man, this is a crazy one because this has been on my mind a lot as well. I've been saying this as well, that we're going to have a choice to make because... It just doesn't seem that he, we're any, unless we're going to pay him like tons and tons of money, which it might be what this situation is. But sometimes I, I think like, especially with him, he's got so good so quickly that I'm very sure there's a team in France who want to do a big rebuild, who are probably looking at him. And we know how it goes in football. His agents probably knows who wants him and how much they're willing to give him, how much they're willing to pay him. So unless we, we should have wrapped this up quickly, man. Like this should have been like from last summer, middle of the season, we've, we get ourselves in this position a lot. And I know it's probably not, you know, our fault because when you get to two years left, it's very tricky. You either get these players to sign quickly or you run the risk of this happening. So by the time you're starting hitting August, you've got a big decision to make because at the end of the day, you cannot, if they're going to, let's say it's a 70 million asset, I would say probably 60, 70 million. Are you willing to let that go for nothing? 
when you don't we don't sell players are we we're talking about selling charlie patino or nuno tavares how much we're we going to get for these players mar uh, pablo mari we've got six million for today or this week or something like that like at some point all these all these things we're gonna but then if you sell him you've got to buy two players <laughs> you know and you got what i would probably do is i'd buy his backup slash competition first and then make a decision later in the summer rather than selling him and then everyone knowing how much you have and then you're trying to go to let's say crystal palace to buy mark gay and you're <laughs> you're being asked for a stupid amount of money for him so we just got to be really really careful but it i just don't think it's just a saliba thing at the moment as well i think a few of the players just rapidly dropped off form just randomly and to be fair even in some of the wins that we were going on in that seven game winning spree even in some of the games that we won comfortably the four ones against Leeds and Palace we still had a few struggles in some of those games Brentford was probably the game that the alarm bells started ringing for me that oh everything has to be perfect for us to to to, to win every the team has to be you know we've we've had the most players start a certain amount of get like 25 or over games of any teams in the league this season so that means every and we just when you're playing champions league man like it's not going to be possible for that that perfect storm to happen again so like selling players is going to be very tricky because we need to beef up this squad so much to be ready for champions league and i'd love to say we need to do it over this period or that period, but we have to do it in this summer. Otherwise, you see either a massive drop-off because there's no more resting players for Europa League anymore, (laughs) which we've been doing for years now. You are playing Wednesday, Sunday, Tuesday, Saturday, every week now as your first team. So you have to find backups that you trust. And that's the biggest issue. Arteta doesn't trust the backups that we have. So Rob Holding comes in from out of nowhere, having played started zero Premier League games. <laughs> like what? What you know? He he's not good, but uh, you want to? You think that Jorginho should play? Okay, I don't per- personally. I'm not a big fan. Everyone knows that. But you're thinking, okay, Trossard should play. But I know Danny, you were saying that Arteta has got a bit of Wenger in him. I think he's got a bit of David Moyes <laughs> rubbed off on him as well. From his time playing on the Moyes, I think he's got Possibly. he's a little bit cautious sometimes about some of the decisions, some of the substitutions, when to make it, whether to just go gong ho. Like he's very, very cautious, and I think he gets that from his time with David Moyes. Does Arteta know we've got five subs in the Premiership now? Because he doesn't like to make five, does he? It's very rare. It is very rare that we we make five subs, even when we're we're quite high up. Uh, in, in terms know, of goals, he, he still makes them very, very late. Do you know why I think he was bitten? Do you remember when we played Brighton and away yes. and we were four nil up or four one up yeah. or, or yeah, three yeah, one yeah. up or something? We was, we was up and then he yeah. made like three or four substitutions and then they came back, didn't they? And then we had to score one late goal yeah. to make yeah. it like four two, I think it was something like that. And I think ever since then, he's been bitten because he thinks if I make too many changes, the team loses a little bit of continuity. But what you said, Femi, was absolutely correct. Like, next season, we're in the Champions League. We will be playing week in, week out. And we have to play our first team. There's no doubt we have to play. So, 
Um, throwing away competitions like he did this season, and let's be honest, he kind of did throw away the League Cup and about we played Man City in the FA Cup. Um, I mean, narrowly missed out. Uh, and even the Europa League, he didn't go full gun-ho with a, with a strongest squad. Um, but he did play some you know, labour in that, though, Carl. That's where he injured his back. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's where he... <laughs> that's injured, which I was infurious with him for that. I mean, I'd just just throw the whole competition. I'd have played... Yeah, but why? But, but you can't, yeah. Old. We can't. I'm going to tell you, Julie, like why? <laughs> why would you throw it away? For what reason? Because Saliba wouldn't have got injured. I know I saw lifts and butts and maybes because he could have done it in training the next day. But everyone's saying, oh, if Saliba hadn't got injured, and we can see our win percentage with and without him... We could be sitting here now 11, 12 points clear of Man City. You know, and we've had it before, you know, where Wenger's tried to go for everything and ended up either only winning the league or winning nothing. And it's just like I said, our squad is not big enough to compete on multiple fronts. And of all the players that he should have known, that there's no player like Saliba in our defence. I mean... Ben White's, I suppose, maybe comparable to him. Like, you know, he's a bit more calm on the ball and a bit of a passer. But because Tommy Ashew's injured, he's had to play most of the season at right back and he's done a good job. He should have looked, well, who were the three players we could not afford to get injured? Saliba, what, Party, and probably Saka. He could have dropped all three of those for those both home and away games in the Europa League and still be competitive. I mean, they all played and we weren't even competitive anyway. I just think, you know, he's with with the squad we got, he should have been more selective about who he played in that competition. But then the only, I, the only pushback, you, uh, you can go, Carl. I, was, I don't necessarily agree because... I don't. If you're, if what's the point of being in a competition if you're not going all out to win it? Like, there was no guarantee we was going to win the league, and it it was very freakish that Tommy Asu and Saliba got injured in the same game. That could have happened in a game against Fulham. It could have happened in a game against whoever. It makes no difference. I, I feel like if we had this mentality where we're going to start not playing our strongest teams um, in certain competitions that mentality can carry on throughout seasons. So we have to learn. We have to, it's like Femi said, you can't just throw someone in cold. We have to learn to adapt. To We have to play two competitions, three competitions, two, three times a week throughout the whole season. If you have this sort of mindset where you're only going to um, concentrate on one competition, I think that sets a bad precedent. Like, I feel that we have to, now we're back in the big boys' Champions League, we have to learn what it's like to play in Europe. We have to learn what it's like to, you know, get on a plane, fly to another country, play football, and then have to fly back and then play on a Sunday. I feel like the whole squad needs to learn how to do that because we have to do that next season. And we have to do it at a higher standard because the people in the competitions are going to be better. We're going to be playing better teams. Um, so... I feel like the men mentality is a massive, massive thing. And if you're saying to someone like uh, Saka, who's never played in the Champions League, or someone like Martinelli, oh, do you know what? Like, we're just going to leave you in reserve and then we'll bring you out for the big games. No, you need to... When we're going to play on a cold night in Ukraine or wherever, like, and we've got like a six-hour trip and we have to go and land and play there when it's freezing and then fly back, you have to kind of prepare these boys for the stuff that's going to happen. I mean, 
long may it continue. I want us to be in the Champions League forever and ever and ever. And I feel like we have to mentally prepare everybody. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Nick. It was a flipping freak accident uh, for us to lose Saliba and um, Tommy Asu in the same game. It was absolutely a joke. Um, was it within the first accidents. 10 minutes of the game as well? Yeah, really yeah it was. Well. Yeah, it was both of them was in the yeah. first half. Um, which kind of makes me think that Saliba may have had an injury before the game. And we kind of, you know, let's see how he is, which we'll never know, I guess. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm only talking like ifs and buts. I mean, that's pretty much what all this Oh, yeah, of course it is. is it's, but um, I understand. If we're in the Champions League, I understand that. But that's the Europa League. Nobody really remembers the Europa League, to be honest. Sorry, I don't think, I don't think that's an important competition. You know, it's, it's, oh, it's nice if they won the Europa League, but I just, you know, I mean, I'm, I think I was on the podcast before and we were talking, you know, with our crystal ball. And I think we all said before, what would we do? And I think, like I said, we were so far ahead of the league at that time. And that was a bit of a false league because, you know, a lot of people say, you know, it's the same games, but they're all, you know, it's like a marathon. Everyone's running the same length of a marathon, but we're all starting in different positions. You know, it's the same length, it's the same distance, but sometimes it looks like we're ahead when actually we're not. You know, because, you know, I said we had a lot more harder games to play. You know, we could have played like 10 easy games and then five really hard games on the spin and lose all five. It's just, I think, like you said, our squad isn't big enough to compete at the moment in the Champions League. So why is he trying to make it com- to compete in the Europa League? And before that, I said, just throw the competition, put out the under-17s. That's what I said, because the league, whether people say it or not, the league was there to be won this season. And it's not because we lost to Man City and because Saliba got injured. It's because we were 2-0 up at Liverpool and we bottled it. We were 2-0 up against... West Ham and bottled it. We went to Southampton and what really caught me with Arteta and I, because I don't like to watch the stuff before the games and I normally turn on pretty much as kickoff, but I must've been a few minutes earlier and that really upset me what he said before that game. And that was just before things said, Oh, so Mikel, what are you going to do tonight when you're two nil up? And he said, huh, scored the third goal. And I just, I put my hands about and I went, you absolute twat. You know, they're listening to this. Oh, they think they're 2-0 up already. Arsenal coming down here, big time Charlie's, we'll show them. And they did. They went 2-0 up on us, didn't they? And I just think, you know, he's got a young man mentality. The squad has got a young man mentality. And I just think, I know it sounds harsh, but if we'd have had a more experienced manager, we could probably be winning the league this season with some of the decisions he's made. Not to say I'm 100% blaming everything on Arteta. I just think he could have done a slightly better job with squad rotation and picking and choosing what competitions to go for than what he did. I mean, he'd probably admit it as well. He'd admit it, you know, behind close, maybe not in public, but he knows after that game, I should have probably not picked half of those players for that competition. See, the only the reason why, and I've heard this so much from Arsenal fans, I totally get dumping the Europa League, dumping competitions. But I heard this same thing last season, and we weren't even in Europe. <laughs> 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 that that's the problem. Like we we can't, and and the problem with dumping things like the Europa League is, I get it, we don't like it, it's, it's really crappy, whatever. But by not winning the league, 
we don't actually get seeded very high in the Champions League. You win in the Europa League gets you automatic first seed in the Champions League, basically. Yeah, winning the league gets you automatic first seed in the Champions League. Coming second in the Premier League, you're then reliant on your co- uh, your Euro, Euro what is it Euro UEFA coefficient thingy. We've been getting dumped out of Europe regularly. Yeah, we're going to be in pot three, aren't we? We're going to be yeah. In pot we three. we will be close to being in pot three. It's only the Arsene Wenger history that's keeping us in pot two, and that's what six years ago. Yeah, but that's only maybe, the, to that, be fair, that's only five years, isn't it? Like maybe Unai Emery because he got us to the final of Europa League. That's literally what would be keeping us in pot two. Otherwise, under Arteta, we've been knocked out in every single um, knockout game that we've played. Maybe we won one, I think, or one tie out of all of them. So then you're going into pot two, pot three of the Champions League. You're you're going to draw two really, really hard teams, which then makes your next season really hard. So I'm not saying we would have won Europa League, but at some point, we got to get out into the mentality that Man City are in. I get it. The squad is not big and all that stuff. But I look at our bench and I'm sorry, but I think a lot of our bench is good enough to play for most Premier League teams. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that um, I watched Fulham give Man City a game yesterday. If I tell you to take any of Fulham's players, most people will say, nah, they won't even get on our bench. So we can't keep saying that our squad isn't good enough. I, I think Arteta was saying today as well, like, we make a lot, I think as fans, we make a lot of excuses that I don't think he wants to hear or he's making, you know. And it's it's good to be hard on the team to a certain extent, you know. When Arsenal have a bad performance, I'm always critical I, can't, I feel like you should be critical of them the ma- if the manager comes out and he's critical and he says we need to do better then we as fans gotta start thinking no we 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 had when did we get 50 points we had like 50 points in a record amount of games and then we've got 25 points since then it's not good enough to be honest with you it, it's crazy that you've got to be perfect uh, don't get me wrong I, I don't like the man city thing whatever it's it stinks, you know, Newcastle, City and possibly United. I don't know where we're going in this league. But at the end of the day, when you've, when you've already got 50 points, you have to be demanding of yourself. And at some point, we, we just have to be, you know. And it's, it's, it's a shame. I wish we didn't have to be perfect. But if, if you're hitting 85 and you're not winning the league, I think you can look at yourself and say, OK, we've, we've done everything we can. We've done all we can. If you're getting knocked out of the Europa League, you know, playing your best team, then you say, okay, we've done everything we can. But if you're leaving things on the table, if but like you're thinking, I, oh, it could have been this, it could have been that. Yeah, you, you you look at the bench. The bench is good enough to play. Eddie and KTR. I mean, he he did his thing. Uh, Trossard, we got there. Emil Smith Rowe. God knows what's happening with him. Um, you know, Jorginho, he was starting for Chelsea a couple of months ago. So we, we've got players that could have, a squad that could have got us to somewhere without dumping every single competition. No, I, I think I agree with you. I think he needs to, you know, um, look at his bench more and, and kind of go from there. And it's something I want to talk about with the Chelsea game. So Danny, um, we play Chelsea tomorrow or tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Um, do you think he needs to ring the changing? Now, I'm not talking the wholesale changes. I'm not talking about changing the whole squad. But do you think there are 
maybe certain players that need to maybe not start this game or some players that have almost earned their right to get a start, the likes of Trossard, like you were talking about. But then the problem is you, you, you put in Trossard, who do you take out? Just looking, Chelsea have won one in their last 10 away Premier League games. They beat Leicester 3-1. That's the kind of thing we're up against. I would just keep the same team we've played all season. Don't change it because now is not the time to go changing and and, and gambling and, and throwing all your cards in and asking for a whole handful of new cards. That's, now isn't the time to do that. Now is the time just to go carry on doing what you've done all season. Chelsea are rubbish. The only time that you can make an exception to that is maybe playing against Man City because you do need something fresh, something different. You need a little bit of bazazzle when you're playing Man City to try and get something. Otherwise, you're going to get steamrolled like everybody at every other club has done. Play the same players, same positions, do the same thing, go through the numbers, and we should be okay because Chelsea are an absolute car crash. They've uh, Lampard's been there for five games, lost all five of them. They're doing absolutely nothing. Um, AC Jimbo on the podcast said, at least man, Lampard has come in and he has solved Chelsea's problems with not scoring from not scoring goals by not attempting to score goals. And that's what they did in one game. They didn't have a single attempt on goal. I think that's what they were saying a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, keep it the same way it is because uh, you know that if he goes, right, we're playing Tierney left back, we're dropping party, playing Zinchenko in the middle, we're, we're going to drop this person here, bring back Smith-Rowe, and then we go out there and we get a draw and we go, why, why have you changed the winning system? What are you doing? Um, it's like, um, who is it? Um Someone in the chat, Mr. Waffles, says, Arteta is the project. Get constant abuse for saying it, but it's true. Uh, and also, Arteta's learning on the job, isn't he? Look at all of us when we first started podcasting. So we're all rubbish. Now look at us, top quality pros. It, it's, <laughs> being a podcaster and being a manager, is <laughs> it doesn't hurt. You don't, you don't get good overnight, do you, Cal? No, but see, you said all that, Danny, and I, and I kind of agree with you, but Southampton came in. We've scoring, I think, one goal in the last 25 away games or whatever it was. <laughs> so this is what I'm saying. Like It almost seems like whenever you play Arsenal, it's almost there's never a bad time to play Arsenal, Like especially if you're on a sort of a, a slump. It's always like there's a good time to play Arsenal. And it being a London derby, you know, you know, he's got kind of got it written all over. Bami Young coming back, and I think Lampard <laughs> kind of hinted it. that. Oh God, he's I think Lampard hat trick, any Carl? You've jinxed <laughs> no, it. You've no, jinxed no, it. not at all. But don't don't Benteke us for God's sake. Yeah, I was going to say Benteke. <laughs> this is what, see, I mean, like, it's always an omen like, when someone hasn't had a run of form, and I think <laughs> where's so, Shane Long lately? Is he about? Is he going to come back? <laughs> score his goal against Arsenal? Didn't that Southampton no. player this year do it as well? What? Yeah, that's his first goal Armstrong or whatever. Randall yeah. only scored one all season. Yeah, Walcott <laughs> scored the last game, didn't he? Goal. scored an own goal. Well done yeah. for you. Yeah. Do you think that there's... So, Nick, do you think there's almost like a, a little mentality thing where, you know, when you hear those stats, and players hear these stats as well, you know, this team hasn't won in 55 games or this team hasn't done this and this player hasn't done that. Do you think there's a little bit of a mentality thing where... Players think, oh, you know, they're no threat. They're like, then yeah. we we can just turn up and just do whatever. Even like, say, like the Bournemouth game. Like, remember where you know within the first ten seconds they're not switched on, and then we're thinking, oh, no matter what, we're going to win this game. And do you think there's something there where a certain team or 
that even when I was being 2 0 up in um, the last games, that like, we're 2 0 up, do you think, oh, yeah, we've won this, we're, we're calm? Do you think it's definitely a mentality thing or something else? Yeah, 100%. It's inexperience, mentality, a bit of arrogance. I mean, Arsenal, for a long time, because they play pretty football, have been a little bit arrogant. Like, And they think, oh, because we play nice football, we kind of deserve to win more than you know the Stokes and people of the past because they play how they play and our way is the best way. And like I said before, with the Southampton game, that's one of the biggest things. When Arteta's jokingly, oh, what are we going to do this time? Oh, when we're 2-0 up, we'll score the third goal. I'm like, seriously. And the biggest, like one of the biggest decisions, I think, him is where he played um, Fabio Vieira in that game when Shaka was injured instead of Jorginho. And I'm like, he can't, he doesn't really defend. He doesn't really attack that much. He's got a good pass on him. He's young and experienced. You know, he's in his first season, the second half of his first season. So he should be better next season, which a lot of players do. Why are you not playing the experienced 31-year-old Jorginho you just paid good money for, for the player he is now? Everyone in would have thought, oh, Shaq is injured. Okay, we'll play Jorginho because you bought him to replace either Party or Xhaka when they're injured because they can't play every minute of every game all season. And third choice would have probably been Zinchenko in there and put Tierney at left back. And for some reason, he put Vieira, who had an absolute nightmare of a game. He was completely lost and got subbed after about 55 minutes when we were 3-1 down. And I think that's, you know, those are the kind of decisions, you know, that Arteta has got to learn better at. Because, like, I've always said it before, Man United were always, under Ferguson, flat-track bullies. They were never this free-flowing great. I mean, they played some decent football. I'm not going to say them off. But they very rarely lost to who they shouldn't lose to. I mean, if you take, you know, everyone from sixth down or fifth down, beat them home and away, those 15, that's 90 points, that's your Premier League done. Anything you, you know, any home games against the big boys you win or draw away is a bonus. You know, we think go- it, But do you still think it works like that though? With Man yeah. City being in this league? I just don't see it. They beat everyone whenever they want. Home well, well, away. That's why, well, that's why I said Man City compared <laughs> to Manchester United because, yeah. I mean, I always said this for years, Liverpool won everything in the 70s and 80s because they had great teams and they had the money. But it was money they generated from being good over a long period of time. Man United, very similar, 90s, early noughties, how they, you know, sold themselves abroad, you know, to be probably the richest club in the world. And they had a really good squad. And so you can't really knock them because that is what they earned from years and years of being successful. Whereas Chelsea... Man City, and you watch Newcastle next year, take it Champions League next year, which is almost probably done, you can kiss goodbye to half the players you think we were going to get because they'll outbid us the same way Chelsea did and that's done and done. That's, that's why I'm kind of upset we haven't gone all in. I mean, I said it in January when Jesus was out injured, buy a striker, buy, him if it, buy everyone. I don't care if you buy six or seven players in Sullivan in the summer, go for it because you never know when a chance like this is going to come along again. But like I say, Man City, everything Manchester City have done 
and Chelsea have done over the last 15 and 20 years is bought and paid for. It's plastic and it's fake. And it's not, oh, he's just bitter because of that. No, it's just true. You know, they got sanctioned three months ago for over 140-something financial fair play things. What's happened? Nothing. That's the integrity of the Premier League. Nothing. We know what's happened. They've called the solicitors in. Brown envelopes have gone around. People have shut up. They'll probably end up with a cheap fine in the summer and that'll get hushed-hushed away. It's just absolute fake, man. And I, I know we all rip the piss out of Chris because obviously he's Chris. That's the thoughts of uh, Nick and not the thoughts <laughs> of uh, a backup under the podcast. Just Thank you very much. But we all give gr- Chris grief when he calls Pepper fraud, right? But I see what he means. He goes to Barcelona, the best side with all the money in that time. He goes to Bayern Munich, the best side in Germany with all the money. And then he comes to Man City, the best side with all the money. And when he's finished here, he'll go to PSG and he'll be the best side with all the money in there and he'll retire and make out his son Messiah. He, he's, it's easy to be a manager when you've got unlimited money. The same as when for, uh, Arsenal called Mourinho a checkbook manager. He is. What's he done where he is when he's at a club where he hasn't spent all the money? He's struggling with Roma. I mean, I'm glad he struggled with Spurs because everybody struggles with Spurs. But that's just what it is, mate. It's not, it's all fake crap with Man City. I think they are a, a, a very good squad. And even if, I mean, the reason why I kind of will give Pep a little bit of credit because you look at Chelsea, Chelsea have bought how many odd players and they're still shit. So you kind of need a good manager to get the players that you have gelled together and working. So, and I'm not saying that you could put Pep in Chelsea and get them playing. You probably could. Actually, you probably could um, get them playing. But Chelsea at the moment are a club, I guess, without substance. Um, You've got a load of players who have just been shoehorned into this club and just been told to play. Now, um, I don't really want to talk about Chelsea too much, but um, you had Graham Potter, who was a very good manager at Brighton, who came to Chelsea, and the job was a bit too big for him, uh, unfortunately, and he struggled a little bit. And the problem is you've got an owner who kind of thinks, I've given you all these toys, I've given you all the tools why aren't you playing well enough? And you have to understand that it's not that easy. You have to give players time to gel and you have to give players uh, a good direction. And they just Chelsea just don't have it at the moment. My issue with playing them tomorrow is Lampard will get them hyped for this. I mean, form book says that we should beat them. We should. I mean, because I know we're looking at um, our results, but we've only lost one game. Like, and I think, I know that, you know, the Liverpool result and the West Ham result and the um, Southampton results, they feel like defeats. They do. They're, I mean, people will probably think that they are defeats, but they're not. We drew those games. So in any other, in any other sort of circumstance, you'd be thinking, oh, Arsenal, we would play the narrative where Arsenal have only lost one game in God knows how long. I can't remember. One in 11. Yeah, like we've only lost in the league, we've only lost to Everton and Man City. That's it. Man United. Um, We beat Man United. Well, uh, no, okay. I mean, recently, but yeah, in the league, in this league, in this this season, we've lost what three games? Four Four games. Pardon? Four. Four. Yeah. Four. Sorry, we've lost four games. Like. 
that is champions. Teams. That's champions um, form. Like, if you said to any team, oh, you're only going to lose four games in this league, you'd be like, oh, okay, so we're going to end up champions then, right? Because that doesn't happen. That You know, we've 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 done so well. And I kind of, like, John says this a lot. Um, we're, in a, we're in a progress stage and we're at stage three or four uh, of the plan. I think it's easy to, I mean, that for me is sometimes an excuse that we fall back on, oh, we're way ahead of where we should be. Um, so I get my issue to that is when we are where we should be, when we're at stage five of where we are or where Arteta thinks we are, should we be sweeping the league? Should we be winning the Champions League? Or is there always going to be an excuse of Man City are still better? Because I feel like that's what we always do. We always, as Arsenal fans, we always find an excuse um, to not... If we're good... I'm going to say we're good. Look how many games we went on a run and we won games and we were lauding it. Everyone was happy apart from stupid Arsenal fans who just want to see this team downfall, but we were lauding it up. So when we're good, we're going to say we're good. And when we're bad, we're going to say we're bad. Like I think that's what it is. And I think tomorrow is almost like the perfect game to bounce back. Um, Femi, do you think, i just ask you a question now. Do you think that we'll win tomorrow? Days. <laughs> Do you know what it is? See Chelsea's season, yeah? It's absolutely disgraceful when you think about it. This is probably the worst season a big club has had. I can't remember. I mean, even when Chelsea were under Mourinho, they started badly, but they changed manager and they kind of bounced back, didn't they? They uh, still finished 10th, didn't they? The year yeah, before, they like finished, yeah. But look where they are right now. It's an absolute disgrace, to be honest with you. Like... The, the excuses, I get it, the managers and the players, and they've had, what, four people in charge this season. They've, no, I can't, I, I just can't, we, no, no, we can't lose to them. But, but the only thing that I say is, like, when a team just goes on a stupid losing streak like they've been on, I think they've lost, like, five, six in a row in the league. They've hard, I think they scored one goal in all that time as well. Now, at some point, you, I don't want to say it, but it just turns around, doesn't it? So I think it's about us, to be honest with you. It, if we play to the best of our abilities, we beat them. But it's what Arsenal turn up tomorrow. You know, it's it's what state of mind that we're in. It's it's our defending. Are we? Re- because the thing with Chelsea that you notice is they do create a lot of chances recently, even with their crap that Lampard is trying to do with defensive players playing high up the pitch. It's crazy manager or whatever he is. But they do create a lot of chances. The thing is, can we defend well? That's the main thing. We will get chances against them without a doubt. But can we sort out our defence and not let in these two, three, four goals? Especially at home, we've kept, what, one, two clean sheets at home this season? We have to do better, and we cannot let Chelsea have scored one goal in the last five games. I, 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 you know, it's so it's that serious. Every team they play, no matter how many chances, no matter what they do, they just don't score. So we cannot let them score against us. We cannot, and if we stop them scoring, we will definitely win because they they won't be able to stop us from scoring. So, what Arsenal going to turn up tomorrow? If we turn up to the way that we're supposed to we win the game. Simple as that. If we come out like we did against Southampton, scared and 
giving a ball away, playing the ball out of giving a ball away in the center of the pitch. No, it doesn't matter who you play. As we've shown against Southampton, you you this is the Premier League. You'll give any team a chance, no matter how bad Chelsea are. So now it's time to just just put them to the sword and carry on going because we've got another hard game on Saturday, Sunday. So let's deal with Chelsea the best that we can. And what I'd really say is we need to think about what we want to do in, at centre-back. Um, one thing that goes unnoticed, actually, is Ben White rarely finished 90 minutes this season before Tommy Asu got injured. He, he always came off as a sub, always, nearly every single game, Ben White would come off between the 75th and something minute, every single game. And recently, because we've had no backup for him, he's been playing 90 minutes. So I wonder what he's still got left in the tank, Ben White. You know, as much as people say move him to centre-back, he looks absolutely shattered, even playing at right-back now. So what are we going to do in our defence? Are we going to wheel out the same defence for the, what, fifth game in a row, which I just don't think it will work. I think there's something not meshing with that defence. There's there's a chemistry that just doesn't work. We can keep doing it over and over again, or we can make the change before we go to James's Park. I don't know what the solution is, but there must be something we can do that's different to what we've been doing. You cannot continuously let two, three goals in. It's just not sustainable. I mean, Danny, um, there's this age-old myth that you can't play two left-footed centre-backs, but you can play two right-footed centre-backs, which I don't know where that myth came from. Um, we haven't seen much of Kivior, to the best of my knowledge. He's played like two games, hasn't he? He came on. I know he played in the Europa League against Sporting in the first game, and then he came on against Liverpool uh, in the dying embers to try and hold it. Um would you risk? I mean, you know, we hear that Kivior can play sort of left back, right back, holding midfield. Why would you not give him like a chance to play at centre back, even though there are, even though he is left footed? I don't like that thing where they say um, teams can only play. We can only play. Um, you got to play two left foots, but you, you know, you can play two right foots, but you can't play two left foots. I don't know where that's come from. But I wouldn't want to test that theory or any other theory at home to Chelsea. We hate them. They hate us. Just got to play a normal game and, and let them do that. If you want to try something like that, we've got Forest coming up, um, our penultimate game of the season, and maybe even the last game of the season, Wolves. These are the type of games where you can test stuff like that, where they're, neither of these teams are any good at scoring. They're not decent teams. But our next run of three games, Chelsea at, at home, Newcastle away, Brighton at home. If we're going to maintain any kind of pressure on Man City we need to play the same players have been playing for the, for the running apart from holding because he's got to come in I'll keep everything the same as it is because if we can get nine points against them three teams then that still keeps the pressure on Man City and it gives the team a little bit of self-belief because this isn't just about this season it's about what the players are, are going to mental attitude is going to be about next season because when the pressure's been on we, I mean, in the 98 double season, we lost, um, I think we lost seven league games. In the 02 season, we lost two games, three games in the league. And in this season, we've only lost four. And already, like I said at the beginning of the show, we've got enough points to have won one Premier League title out of the 30 that have happened. And then you can just look back at history and go, to get 75 points at the end of a season is a damn fine season. 
And to get that with the ability to maybe get another 15 points, I don't want to take risks about bringing Kivior in or anything like that. If we need to, if we if we're winning a game three nil, then feel free to bring him on, take somebody else off, and just give him the minutes. But he's come from playing for a very average Italian side in a league that isn't that good. I mean, he played at the top level for Poland in the World Cup. He played every game, but World Cup football is very different from from Premier League football. Oh, my cat's fight. That's my cat just fired and woke herself up. You dirty bitch. <laughs> oh, dear. That's going to stink. So, no, don't take any risks. But we should, I think what it was uh, Nick or Femi said earlier, Arteta doesn't make the most of using subs, does he? Sometimes this season we've been X number of goals up in a game and you think, right, we get four players off, four players on, rest a few players. And he hasn't done that. He, he doesn't like making a lot of substitutes. Remember, like Wenger with the, the fabled 78th minute substitute. Um, Arteta, I don't know why he doesn't do it. But again, like I always say, Carl, if any of us knew anything about football, we wouldn't be sat here talking to the other three, would we? We'd be managing, I don't know, somewhere in Spain when it's nice and warm, we'd have the doors open going, oh, it's quite hot. No, oh my God, look at it, it's pissing down again. <laughs> no, you're right. Um, but, you know, this is what we do and this is why, you know, you're a millionaire, Danny, from this podcast because we <laughs> get to come on and uh, talk about, give our opinions and things like that. Um, Nick, so I think, you know, people are talking about, you know, it's over, Man City are... You know, they're going to win the league and they could well be. I think they're definitely favourites. But do you think that Arsenal have to keep the pressure on? Because like we were talking about, Man City may well drop some points. You just never know. They're still in the, they're still in the Champions League and they've got to play Real Madrid. That's a distraction right there. Um, they're still in the FA Cup. So um, they could trip up somewhere. Do you think we kind of owe it to ourselves to keep the pressure on just a little bit just in case, and I'm not saying that we're, you know, we're going to win the league or anything, but what you don't want is, let's say Man City do trip up somewhere and you still want them to feel a little bit of pressure because what you don't want is to go into the last couple of games when they've got to play places like Brentford and Brighton and them take it easy because they know they've already won the league. You still kind of want them playing with a little bit of pressure so they're looking over their shoulder. Do you, do you agree with me? Yeah, I mean... I mean, like I said, I was more a bit upset because I think with the investment and the slightly better decisions, we could have, I won't say walked to the league, but we could have had, we could have been 10 points ahead of them and playing them was, you know, irrelevant, if you see what I mean. Whereas now, I mean, they are top of the league at the moment, but we win tomorrow, we go back top of the league and they've got their two games in hand. They play West Ham on Wednesday at home. West Ham ain't no mugs. They've got goals in them. I know they can't defend, but they've got goals in them. They can score a couple of quick goals. Someone slip over at the back. You know, John Stone slips over, straight red card, and all of a sudden they've lost to West Ham. And then they've got Le- then they've got Leeds Saturday. Leeds have got goals in them as well. Even you know they're a tricky type side, even at home. So just imagine if we, like I said, we put out a crap side tomorrow. We put out the all the kids and end up drawing somehow, and then they lose to West Ham and lose to Leeds on Saturday. Did you imagine, you know, put them under the pressure? See, see how late, I mean, we don't like being chased. Let's chase them. Yeah, they've got the games in hand. After From this Sunday, they won't have the games in hand. 
So let's just let's just put pressure on them and see what they do. Because I tell you what, they, I mean, yeah, they looked good against us. They could have easily drawed that game with Fulham on Sunday. They could have easily drew that game with Fulham. And like I said, they've got Madrid coming up twice. You know, like I said, it is the end of the season. They're probably going to have, you know, maybe suspensions, a few injuries they don't know about. There's still another couple of twists and turns left in that. And oh, shut up, Loki. He says, I love the dream. Danny, did I not say we would finish second this season at the start of the season? And did I not get laughed at? You do well. The, the the video is out there on YouTube. Our preseason predictions. Yeah, I mean, I said on there, I think we'd finish second. And I, well, I put money on us to finish first, but I didn't cash out because I'm an idiot. But <laughs> like I said, all these people are moaning that we're not winning the league. Weren't last year they saying all I want is for us to be competitive, having a go, trying to get into top four and trying to win the league. We're doing that now. They're moaning. And then those are the sort of people, as if we do win the league, well, all I want us is to win back-to-back leagues. You just can't, with those people, you just can't win. Football is horrible. No matter what you do, nothing's good enough. The end. <laughs> but you know what? The only thing I'll say is we did, I remember when the fixture list came out and April just screamed out to us, didn't it? Yeah. I'm, I, I'm trying to April, find a message. February. Yeah, it, it just well. screamed out, man. It was just like, what is this i i don't think i've seen a tougher month because when you're coming off of liverpool man city and then you go let's say chelsea were in form the way they should be then you go chelsea then you're going away to newcastle and then you're going to play brighton it's it's tough man so even though we want to keep the pressure on them we we now need to play back to our best level to, to win these games, to go to Newcastle and win. I, I don't really like looking past the next game, but if you're looking at Newcastle away, they've lost one game at, at St. James's all season. And we saw what happened at St. James's last season. We just, it was basically almost the Man City game, basically. Just, just say, Femi, when you say we've got to play best to our best level, do you mean we've got to play really well and everything flow? What do you mean? We just got to get the points. I don't care how we get him. I don't care if I subscribe. I, I don't think game we and we win one nil. I don't care. Just get the points. I, yeah, but the thing is, I just don't think we can play scrappy games. As we true the thing that true. The, the thing like against West Ham and Liverpool that we saw is when we were free flowing, playing our best football. That's when we were dominating that game. As soon as we stopped playing, and the, the other teams, just, the other teams changed exactly. as well when it, we went to. They were like, like I mean. That really infuriated me when everyone just tried to blame Xhaka again for that Liverpool game. I was like, no, Liverpool had already started turning the screw before he got shoved to the ground and got booked for some reason. But that's the thing. 2-0 is more dangerous than 1-0 because you think, oh, do we keep going for the third goal or do we like sit on what we've got? But if we sit on what we've got, we're inviting it on. That's what I'm saying. That's just the team is not you know, that clever to play at all different styles, is it, Femi? If everything like say, if we're playing our free-flowing football, everything's going well, Martinelli's scoring, hit, finishing his chances, Saka's finishing his chances, we're winning. If they're not, if we're not playing free-flowing football, we're not finishing our chances, we're not winning games, are we? Yeah, we, we've set up the season to play in one way 
even yeah. from preseason. From pre, that's why Pep kept saying from preseason he knew that we would challenge. Since yeah. preseason, we have played the exact same way. We cannot at the moment play different styles. We, we're not that evolved yet. <laughs> you know, we, we probably will get there. But remember when, like a year ago, I think Arteta, when we we're playing decent football, he's saying, "Yeah, we had planned for this from like." six months ago so they kind of plan in blocks so your next stage of planning might be then to okay if this is the situation if we're playing away to Real Madrid we're not going to go to these teams and totally dominate the ball and dominate them in a way that we do to 90% of our other games nearly every game that we played this season we've had more possession we've dominated the territory we dominated areas I think Brighton might be one that we didn't leads away in the second half but even Man City let us dominate the ball and dominate the territory because they knew they had a plan for us other teams we do it because that's just how we but that's that they let us have the ball because yeah, they, know they we haven't us, got the players to do it it's not that teams, we cannot get the ball but Madrid other teams, are not going to let us have yeah, it are they yeah other teams don't want us to do that teams like Man United didn't want us to to press them into their box for like 30 minutes of that game where they couldn't even get out of their area and we had like the most touches in the box of any Premier League game. That's the way we want to play and we we need to start get back to doing what we want to do and imposing ourselves on these teams like we did in the first 20 minutes of the Liverpool and the West Ham game. That's what that's the only way I can see us winning against um especially Newcastle and Brighton. Do what you have to do. That's what I said tomorrow. If we play the way we're supposed to play we win the game. Yeah. No, uh, um, I think that's, that's all valid. I think if we thought that every game was a final before um, we played Man City, I think running up to the end of the season, I think every single game is our final because, like we were just saying, I think we have to put pressure on Man City. We can't let them go into the last two games of the season with it already won and them have no pressure on them as well. Um we have to give them a little bit of pressure and a little bit of worry to think, oh, if we slip up here, Arsenal are ready to jump in. And I think that's something that we need. I think we're, I think the number one objective for the season, we've kind of already done. You know, we've got into the Champions League and I think that's going to be um, something that we're going to have to adjust to because there's going to be a lot of players in that squad who haven't played Champions League football um, before and it's going to be a, a huge adjustment and I think there's a lot of things that we need to um, get first up. Just before I do, we do listeners' questions, I just want to talk about you know, something that we do all the time about uh, maybe signings that potentially we could um, be making or, or positions that we need to sort of sign. So, Dan, I'll come to you. In just looking at it, what positions do you think that Arsenal need to sign in next season? So, just the positions, not the players, just positions that you feel that we need to improve on. Well, it depends on which route Artes is going to go down. The Pep route for years has been the no, no main striker. I mean, Aguero was the man, and then for about three seasons, Aguero wasn't the man, and they were still doing wonders. Um, Liverpool have changed the way they play, and now they've got they've gone back to going. They bought the um, that Diaz, and they bought the uh, was it Nunes. They bought them in as big strikers, and they've been injured, and they're still scoring goals. And now Man City have gone back to the oh, we have a big man who's who's ready. Got this season, got fifty goals. 
Now, this is a time when I think there's going to be a change in football because um, Kevin Campbell was on Talk Sport today with with Danny Kelly. It's a very good show. And they were saying that him and Tony Cotty were saying that they'd like to see more Premier League teams go and play two up front again. And I thought, in, in a kind of way, Jesus is the one who would be this small man and the big man, little man up front. Because um, then Odegaard spends most of his time dropping deep into central midfield. And we we are always the one about the player that we can lose out of the team is going to be Xhaka. Been magnificent for us this season, but going forward, I don't think he's he's in Arteta's plans. So have a party and Erdegaard as a midfield too, and then you can have two strikers up front because we all know that trying to get top quality defenders at the moment is really really hard. You go through phases in football where no one has really good strikers that are that's banging in the goals, and then you go through eras where you have really top quality centre backs, and then then you go through here again like now where trying to get really world class centre backs is so hard, which is why we need to keep Saliba. So I think Arteta's got to make his mind up on the style of football. Is he going to copy what Pepper's doing? And then have a main man and put everything through him. Have a big lump up front. Then, then we get the bloke from Brentford if uh, if he doesn't get done for for the game. Or is it Brentford? Yeah, Ivan Tony. Uh, Ivan Tony. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Get someone like him who is just like a goal machine. But we've seen for years that that's what Leicester have done with Vardy. He's been the main man up front, having one main striker and had other people playing off him. So I think it all depends on the formation that we play. But we do need to replace Party. We need a, someone who's going to stay up front who is going to not do what Jesus does and be all over the place. It's annoying. We saw you compare them in the Man City game, compare the, the heat map of part of um, um, Haaland and the heat map of Jesus. Jesus is more like a where, where you would think an eight or a 10 would be playing, not as a nine where Haaland was playing, although a lot of the time Haaland was wide. So depends on what he wants to play with, but definitely centre-back, Definitely a right back who's going to be fit. Definitely someone who's going to score you goals as, as a striker, not as someone who's all over the place covering every blade of grass like Sanchez used to do. So I think it's going to be those three things. But is there going to be a change in football where we're going to be playing the two up front again? Because I think at the moment, if you play two two decent strikers up front, like Man City have seen, we've just won. You can run away with the league and score 50 goals a season a man. But he's a phenomenon, isn't he? Yeah, he's a, he's a little bit of a freak of nature. Um, <laughs> definitely, he's still only twelve or something. He's he's <laughs> it's scary to think how good he he definitely could be. I mean, Femi, I've, I've literally just seen that we've been linked with uh, Vlaovic again from Juventus, and um, Danny said something that's kind of piqued my interest. I said I said this at the start of the season that we need to change the dynamics of the striker. Like it's all well and good having Inketia and. Jesus as little strikers, but when you need to change it up, we need a. I've, I always said this that we needed a tall striker. And I mentioned um, Dominic Calvert Lewin, but obviously that man has more injury problems than anybody I know. Um, but do you feel like we need a tall striker to change it up, or do you think that even not to change it up? Do you think? I mean, I know Gabriel Jesus um, came in as the marquee striker, you know, fifty million, but do you feel like if we got a better striker than him, then he could possibly be benched or even play in the number 10 role because he's everywhere, because he's always, you know, all over the pitch. Could he benefit from playing um, off someone, like someone push further forward and then him doing all the running? Um, It's so hard, man. 
uh, we definitely first question we definitely need a, a different focal point um i would definitely definitely take the risk on ivan tony um he's numbers are ridiculous not just for this season for last season as well and to be fair he gave us the most trouble of, apart from Harlan of any striker we've come up against this season for me seeing him at the game at the Emirates he absolutely bullied our center backs especially Saliba yeah he's so it's in the Premiership first half ready as well for me That's yeah in the first half against Saliba he bossed him so much mm. and we did well to keep him at bay even though he did still like he dominated us and I haven't seen he, he, he reminds me so much of of a mini drug bar like in that way you know but I, I don't know about Vlaovic I, I can't really say I've seen a lot of him um, even before we were linked to him before let alone now I, I'm not really a, a watcher of, of Serie A and he didn't really pull up any trees in the first half of the season when they were in the Champions League. I know they've got better recently, but yeah. Um, second question about Gabby Jesus. He's going to have to go back out wide, isn't he? To be honest with you, if we're looking at that, if we're looking at not getting a wide player and getting a, a striker, he's going to have to go back out wide, especially because we don't really play with a number 10 unless you're planning on changing the whole system. He doesn't, he can't play in one of the two ten, the two eight roles that we play. So he's definitely going to have to go out wide. But I mean, Saka's just a freak. He doesn't miss any game. So you, you've got, yeah, it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of juggling to be done this summer. Like I don't envy Edu and Arteta. It seems like it's going to be easy to do everything, but it's it's going to be really tough to to balance everything out. No, I I agree. I think that. So in my opinion, I think we need uh, another centre-back. And I think, I, f- I feel that Holding's time may be done at Arsenal. I think if you get another centre-back, you could possibly pay, or even a right-back. I think we need a centre-back and a right-back. Because if you're going to play Tommy Asser at right-back, you push Ben White back into centre-back and have that partnership um, and I think a lot of the rides also on Saliba. I, I, I think people are seeing the world through rose-tinted glasses on the fact that they think Saliba is 100% going to stay. I just don't know. I honestly really just don't know because if you've only got one year left on the contract, you, you can't just sit there and not cash in on him with his value so high. If, but if the only thing age. is, though, like Danny said, what? How many centre backs in world football are you getting for the price that you'd sign him for just for a new contract? So we're better off breaking the bank if we have to, and I think that's what it's going to come to. We're just going to have to pay him what he wants. If if you're going to pay him two hundred, pay him two hundred. But that's if it's down to money. It could be the point well, where he wants is, to. He might just want to go back to France, so he might just want to. When your nose has been turned, like if Real Madrid have sniffed around your agent and they said, Do you know what, we will come in for you, you know, just don't sign another contract. If, that, if his head's been turned by another club, then, and I'm not saying this has happened, there's no indication that it has happened, no idea. Like, but if it does happen and another club has said, oh, we'll come in for you, like 
you know what I mean? Like, and if he, you know, the little boy in him says, I've always wanted to play for Real Madrid, I've always wanted to play for PSG or whoever it is, like, that could happen. So I just don't know. Um, I think as much as I love him, I think we need to move away from Granit Xhaka. I think we knew we need two new centre-backs. I think Thomas Partey, for as good as he's been, and I don't just want to throw, it on, throw him on the, like, the scrap heap, I think we need to improve. I think we definitely could improve off Granit Xhaka, 100%. I think there is a Thomas Partey replacement out there that could be possibly be better. Um, you know, there's so much talks of so many centre midfielders around, you know, there's talks of Declan Rice, uh, there's talks of Caicedo, there's talks of uh, the guy from Southampton, I can't remember his name. Um, I've seen... No, not Woodhouse. Um, begins with L. I can't be sure. it's, it's funny though, isn't it? How we go through phases. A while ago, there was no good goalkeepers. Then Wenger couldn't buy a decent DM for a decade. Now there's loads of them. And then strikers were you couldn't find one that would get you thirty goals a season. Now there's loads. And now there's no centre backs. It's just weird how how it goes in circles. Of there's no time when you're gonna. Almost like you have to, like Man City are doing stockpiling them, like Man like Chelsea are doing. The other thing I was. The only thing I will say is that I think our window or our shopping cart will be a little bit better. Like where we were shopping in Audi, I think we can now afford to go to Waitrose just because we're in the Champions League now. So mm. I feel like our, you know, where we shop now will be a little bit different uh, because we will have that Champions League uh, money and we will have the competition so we can then say to a player, you know, come and play in the Champions League and they might be more willing to come to us. So I feel... This summer is going to be a big summer, and I think, and we do it on another podcast. We talk about the outgoings because I feel like um, we mentioned it quickly today. There's, uh, um, Femi put it in our group that Ornstein said that Patino is not uh, wants to leave Arsenal because he doesn't want to play on loan again. He wants to go out and get first team opportunities. Um, so that's something again to to look at because I I thought that Patino would be in and around the first team next season. Um, but if Arteta doesn't have him in his plans, then he's obviously going. And I think that was obviously leaked today. He's probably his agent, so we can get in the shop window so people can start having a look at him the last couple of games uh, of the league, um, of the uh, uh, Blackpool's league, so that they can have a look at him to see how he plays. Because I'd be sad to see him go, but... If we can get players that are better than him and just not stockpile players, if he's not in the first team, then, you know, we have to let him go. I mean, Nick, what do you think? I know Patin, there's been a lot of talk of Patino about his potential, but we haven't really seen what he can do in an Arsenal shirt. And I know, you know, people get sentimental about a uh, hey, Lamb boy leaving. And plus there's been so much talk about him. But are you... I don't want to use the word bother because, you know, we don't want to lose like a, a good academy product. But are you sort of concerned about him wanting to go and play for another club? No, I think he knows where he's going to play and where he's going to get football. I mean, we've bought Odegaard and you think how young he He's still only, what, 23, 24? And he's our captain. So he's not going to drop him for him. And where else is he going to play? I mean... Probably not going to drop him for party because he's not that type of player. Shaka is also still not that type of player because he's quite a small player. And they're talking about us possibly buying Declan Rice. So 
we're now getting all our knickers in a twist worrying about who's going where, which hilariously, all of this stuff has probably all been agreed two months ago. And everyone knows where everyone's going. Saliba knows where he's playing. Arsenal know who's coming in instead of Saliba if he's going. And it's all done. I mean, Patino, yeah, we 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 want one of our you know our lads to come through and do well. But if there's no space for him in the squad and he's not going to start football, then it's best to go out and possibly if we're selling, we could put a buyback clause in. It's probably the best we could do. That could be best for him and best for us because. Can we force him into the start on eleven next year? I don't. I don't think we can force him in anywhere. I don't even think he'd be first, fourth, first, second, third name off the bench either. He plays in the Wilshire role. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Danny. Now that they're talking about everyone going back to four four two with two strikers, there's only two people in the midfield, not three. So you know, it's even less. So I think he probably him best to go out and play football, and that's what I'd do. Put some sort of buyback clause or a sell-on thing. I that, said Cotty and Campbell said they'd like to see four four two. Not that they are. Yeah, but I mean, it keeps coming back. I mean, it wasn't like in the eighties, early nineties, everything went to what four five one, didn't it, for years? And then by the end of the nineties, everything was back to four four two for four years. And then what was it four two three one? And I haven't got a clue. Four, four three three under under. <laughs> Arteta for a while. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it, it always comes back to it at the end. But yeah, I'm not that fussed because he hasn't done much in an Arsenal shirt. And if, like I said, that might just be his level, the championship and things like that. I mean, I you know, personally, I think N- Nketiah should have been sold years ago. I mean, I, they were talking about people like Leicester offering money for him, like 15, 20 million. When we look at what we've had the last, what, two, three seasons, would, would we have been better off to sell him and buy someone else at the time? I think he would probably wish he'd have gone as well. Yeah. It's, it's nice yeah. to have the academy lads coming through, but it's, it's sometimes it's a pipe dream. It's really difficult, isn't it? Um, you're going to see the same thing with Balogun as well, where you, it's a really hard balancing act where do you, if you're going to if you want to maintain Champions League football, at some point you're going to have to buy Champions League level players. Now, let's be honest, we've been buying decent players to fit into a system, but we haven't bought world-class players in a genuine world-class players. I know Gabi Jesus is, is, you know, really, really top player. The last was Sabonis, wasn't it? Zinchenko. Mm, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Aubameyang was probably one of the bigger signings we've made in the last, not even in the last 10 years, probably in the last 20 years. I mean, I think there's only three, Ozil, Aubameyang, and... Uh, Alexis Sanchez. Sanchez, yeah. Yeah, yeah. even uh, even last, even right? when you look on the Arsene Wenger, we were just picking up little gems here and there. Hoping but, for the best. Yeah, I think we're living in a time now where you have to be really smart with your signings. So if you're looking at people think we're just going to rock up to West Ham and take their captain there and just walk in there and say, yeah, eight, there's 80 million and yeah, just have him. It's not going to be that easy. People, I, I keep hearing people, I keep hearing people saying, oh, you should just take Casado and Rice. And I'm like, you try to sign Casado for 80 million in January and West Ham, uh, Brighton pretty right, much just... ridiculed Arsenal 
and now he's signed a new contract as well. You think you're just going to walk into Brighton with 80 million and slap it on the table and say, give us your player. It just doesn't work like that in this league anymore. Especially if they get into Europe as well. Yeah, these teams have money the same way we have money. They they don't have to sell these players at, unless they really want to. Um, I don't know what Rice's contract situation is, but West Ham are not one exactly going to be bullied. Yeah, they, no, he's got one more. So this is his last year going into um, next year. So, but then there's rumours that he had another extension, like built into his contract. So it's like you've got to offer West Ham what they want. It is what it is, and like I love Edu, I love the job that they've done. But what they've done is managed the best of bad windows. If we're being honest, they've they've managed to get their second choices of where they the first choice is really difficult to get. Fair play for having you know tough choices, but at some point we have to start pulling off our first choice players that we want, not just yeah, I, I, going to the backup player. I feel like he has a problem getting his first choices over the line. I mean, um, maybe Gabriel Jesus was the first choice, and I, I commend him for that. But you look at things like Rafinha couldn't get over the line. Mudrich couldn't get over the line. Um, Caicedo couldn't get over the line. Um, so as much as I, you, you know, you commend him for what he's done, he's done absolutely brilliant stuff um, for getting some of the players that we have got. I feel like he has to learn how to get the first choice, the star player, whatever you want to call it, over the line. And hopefully, now we've got Champions League football, he will be able to do that. Um, so, yeah, um, Danny, we're going to start doing some listeners' questions now. Uh, I'll hand over to you. Right, so Jackasaurus on Twitch, someone I also follow on the wonderful Twitter. Uh, for you, Carl says, I'm sure you've all heard the saying, a rising tide lifts all boats. This City team is obviously the best in the league and possibly the best in the world. They will continue to be exceptional and I believe it will force other clubs to raise their games just to compete with Man City. Do you think English teams will come to dominate the Champions League in future? I see Arsenal reaching the quarters and the semi-finals more often now. But if you look at the semi-finals at the moment, or even the quarterfinals. I did it said it last time. There was we beat both. We beat AC Milan. We beat Inter Milan. We beat Benfica. Um, I think there was a German side in there that we'd beat, and there was half half the teams in the quarterfinals. I think we'd we'd beat, and we, we'd give um, the two semi-finals, the two Milan teams. We'd definitely give them a run. But there's so few. That's a good point, though, Carl, isn't it? That all the, we know the best league in the world at the moment is the Premier League. I suppose the best money has the best players, nearly. And that's where the players want to go. So we're sucking all the best players out of the other leagues and they're all going to come to the Premier League. So are other teams going to, in the Premier League going to keep buying the best around the world to try and compete with Man City? Um, it's hard because no one's got an unlimited pool of money apart from Man City and Newcastle and potentially Manchester United and Chelsea. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because as well as Arsenal are doing, we still live within a budget. We still are one of the clubs that, you know, adhere to the um, FFP. So um, we don't want to have no drama with uh, UEFA at all or the, or the Premier League. So as well as I think Arsenal are still a big draw, and I think being in the Champions League, it will be even more of a big draw for us to get players. I think it's always going to be hard to compete with 
the Knights of Man City. I'm not saying that we can't, and I'm not one of these people who will just say, oh, we can't compete with Man City and just write off. Because we can. We we have to. We have to. We've gone toe-to-toe with them. And if we, you know, it's always your one or two players away from having a complete squad. And if we did have, you know, a, a few better players or a different mentality or we didn't have an injury, we, we don't know where we would it be. So, I think that next season, everyone's going to improve. If Man City, if Manchester United sell, go through, depending on who it is, they're going to spend copious amounts of money. They are. Hopefully, the Glazers leave them with a massive debt so they can't. But, you know, I, I can see that they're going to spend money. They're going to have to. Um, and as much as I hate it, Ten Hag has kind of got them playing well. Um, can Chelsea possibly be as bad as they are this season, depending on who, what manager comes in. Let's talk of Pochettino, Marvels, Menu, I don't know. Um, who knows? Um, you look at Liverpool, they need our overhaul. They need at least... Liverpool need as many centre midfielders as we do. Um, so the fight for centre mids are going to be fierce this season. Because Liverpool need loads. Um, and you can't discount Newcastle, because Newcastle are going to spend money as well. Depending on what happens to Brighton, Brighton are going to spend money. Spurs need to get back up there. They're going to lose their marquee striker this season. So they're going to need to spend a lot of money because uh, their teams are treasures as well. You know, so there's a lot of teams that are going to spend money to compete. It, it's going to be hard, but it's hard every season. But this is why we have a 38 game um, league. If people just ran into the league and just, you know, Kate walked it, it wouldn't be easy. And you know, if it wasn't for us, Man City would have won the league back in um, March. But December. we've kept them, we've, we've kept it um, competitive. You know, we are, I, I feel like we are slowly turning into a bit of a farmer's league. You know, the same as we don't, the reason why I think more I don't want Man City to win the league is because. We don't want one team dominating, just like they do in um, France, just like they do in Germany. I don't want one team winning it over and over and over again. Um, and we've made it competitive, and hopefully, going forward, we can keep on doing that. Hopefully. Um, we are in one of the best positions to do it, I think. Oh, to go and get Jude Bellingham. That'll sort us out for the next decade. Um, question for you, Nick, um, from... Charles, he says, uh, one question to you, mates. Chelsea won the the league without playing in the Champions League with Conte after Jose Mourinho fiasco and got sacked that year. Why can't Arsenal fans classify this year as a massive disappointment or opportunity lost? I think they are. I think it's an opportunity lost because... I wouldn't say it was there for us to win easily, but I think we could have done better. And the fact it's only us and Man City going for it this year, that's at best, in theory, a 50-50 chance. Whereas next year, like I said, Chelsea are going to be better in the league next year. Liverpool, they're going to rebuild. So you think they're probably going to be better. Man U, depending on the owners, they'll probably be better next year. Newcastle, God knows what the hell they're going to do. And Man City are still going to be a juggernaut. So, whereas this year, it was just us and Man City for most of the league going for it. 
next year, I think we're going to just have a real scrap on our hands just to get top four. I honestly think it will be four or five teams really going for top four. I mean, from champions to fifth, it could be like five, six points next year. That's how tight that could be. And yeah, I do think this year is a massive disappointment. That's why I said in January, I wanted us to go a bit stupid and get another striker in, get another midfielder and get him in early. And that's why I was a bit disappointed because, you know, we stopped for the World Cup at Christmas time. So we had loads of time to think about this and think this league is here for the taking if we really want to go for it. And bringing in Trossard, who's decent, Jorginho's okay for six months to a year. Did they really go all in on it? I mean, like I said, Jesus didn't... When, when did he get back? The end of March? Mm-hmm. Yeah, about five you know, so we were, Yeah, so we were without, uh, you know, our main striker for four months, January, February, March, you know, and then you didn't really start playing well. So we could have gone all out and won this league, I think, if we or, or or at least put more effort and showed a bit more about us as a football club to try and win this league. It was there for the taking. I mean, I don't think we've ever been favourites to win, and that's probably why. I mean, like I said, imagine if we'd have brought in another striker whose goals were on par with Trossard's assists. You know, if you know, if I mean, I don't. I'm not saying I'm picking out names from a hat, but you said. Like when we bought Aubameyang in January, imagine if we bought someone like him that made that impact in January. I know that's all. Oh, you can't do that. That's not football manager. I don't care about football manager. This was real life. It was just us and Man City going for the league. Liverpool a mid table or were mid table. Chelsea a mid table. Man United was sacking managers and doing terribly. You know, Liverpool are an aging side. It was there, and we didn't go for it. And next year. A lot of people thinking, oh, this is the process. This is where we're a year ahead of where we're supposed to be. So next year we'll win the league. No, we won't. We won't win the league next year. Not a hope in hell. We will, str- we will be in a top four scrap. And this time next year, we're going to be three or four points between us, you know, third, fourth and fifth. That's where we'll be next year. Somebody put my is, it, is, is, it not, is it not top five next season? Isn't it next season? Eh? It's changing. They won't no never idea. give us five Champions League sure places, mate. Is. We I should have had that. Well, we should have been having that for over ten years. Like how good the English clubs have been doing. They'll never. They'll never give us extra because who are they going to take it away from? Italy, France, France. Well, France haven't got four, have they? No, they shouldn't have any. They're rubbish. <laughs> well, that's you're not wrong, but you know. But yeah, I just think that this is an opportunity lost. We could have gone for it, and I don't think Arsenal showed enough ambition and went all in and went for it. I think they could have done more in the last but three then, or four months. But then it, but, 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 if you end up on 90 points, which we still could, there's only so much going for it that you can, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we're talking theory, though, aren't we, family? Like I said, in my head, we signed this super-duper striker and we score all these goals. We beat Liverpool. We beat West Ham. We beat... But is it scoring and... goals that are hard an yeah. issue or is it defending? I, I don't know if it's... We scored I, mean, it was, I think it was scoring goals at the start of the year and then became defending towards the end. It seems like as soon as we got Jesus back, 
Martinelli started playing well and scoring goals. Saka picked up his form. And then the defence fell to pieces, if you see what I mean. I just think if our defence, if we'd have improved the striking and the goal situation for the first three months of the year, you know, we, we could we'd have been double points clear of Man City. And like I said, it's a different game altogether. I mean, we had to beat Man City last week, didn't we? Whereas if we were over 10 points clear of them, we could have done everything we can to stop them playing and go for a draw. And that would have been a completely different game plan. But good, good points there. Uh, question for you, Fem, from Loki. Oh, I didn't even know this was aimed at you. Uh, uh, you get two questions. Uh, Loki says, good family, straighten up that mirror, please. It bothers me. You know what? It's not even the mirror. It's, it's me. It's the camera. Just... It's the camera. It's my two screens. So I'm like looking all over the place. I'm trying to focus. I don't even know which camera to focus on because I'm I got on a dual monitor. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you a proper question then from Craig Barlow. <laughs> would you take Ancelotti at Arsenal, and would you think he would challenge Pep? Oh, it doesn't make a difference who you have. Look at Jurgen Klopp at Arsenal. What difference does it make? This. I think Nick pretty much explained the Man City juggernaut. Sorry, my door's making noise. Should be in bed. Um, the Man City juggernaut is steamed past Liverpool, and they've had probably four or five of their best seasons in the Premier League. So I don't think it makes a, a difference who you have in charge, unless you're willing to spend the kind of money that they're spending. And their fans have been coming out with all these um, silly stats about, oh, we only spent this much this season. But then they don't add up all the other seasons that they've been spending. Unless you're willing to spend literally exactly 50 to 60 million every single player on your squad. What difference? It's not going to make a difference. Like We've come closest to them and we're still not going to be close at the end of the day. So, And that's with us having an almost perfect season. In some ways, I know we dropped points a bit, but you know it's been pretty much almost perfect, especially in the first half of the season. And you're still not close to them. Come on, it, it's it's. I don't think it makes a difference. I look at, I mean, look at the job Ancelotti did at Chelsea and Everton. You know, it, yeah, but that was Chelsea during. Not everyone was 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 hitting. 90 points or uh, almost 194 94 to 100 points like that's crazy like it's it's unheard of even in even in the, the 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 days when there were 22 teams in the league i bet you there wasn't teams hitting 95 to 100 points I, i'd i'd love to see that actually when 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 did it used to be 24 teams was it before the premier league or like the first season of the premier league in the 90s i doubt teams were getting 100 to 90 points I, I, I need to check that actually. This is this is the latest. I know we've only got one more question, Carl, but I want to show you this uh, thing that I was looking at. Share screen, Premier League winners by year. I've just found this wonderful table. <clears throat> so there you go. Um, the 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 uh, twenty two team leagues in uh, the first three seasons of the Premier League. Okay, point, so look at that. The, the, the first three seasons, you played 42 games. Yeah. The highest point was 92. So then even if you go back to Division 1, which was before this, teams weren't getting 90 to 100 points regularly. No, it just wasn't. Time, there's yeah. been a look at the last four seasons, 93, 86, 99, 98, 100. And it looks like City are going to get 100 again. And 93. 94. And that's about the time 
when Man City really started to take off. And then look at Leicester, won the league on 81 points. We've got 75 at the moment. And Man United won the league in 10-11 with 80 points. <laughs> Those days are never going to happen again. No. no. Anyway, I'll give you a link to that one because that's a really good website. Yeah, uh, Carl, <laughs> final question is for you um, from Spin in a late question from Twitch. Surely we're on track with our five-year plan. What benchmark should next year hold? I like that question. It's very good. Um, Champions League qualification again. I think we need to be consistently qualifying for the Champions League, 100%. And a trophy. I think we need a trophy, no matter what it is, even if it's the League Cup, FA Cup, something. We need something in the, in the, in the cabinet. So for me, the benchmark is definitely um, getting into the Champions League and some sort of trophy. Uh, quick last one from Boy10. I'll take this. How much time does Arteta get to try winning the league and the Champions League, which trophies extend his state? I don't think the Premier League or the Champions League is uh, a an aim for the owners. I just think top four, make money, maybe the odd FA Cup. Anyone disagree? I think, I think we're back to the Wenger years. Yeah, what you just yeah. said. The end of the Wenger years, which is make top four, get the odd cup. I mean, winning the league and the Champions League, if you're setting that as a barometer for Arsenal, with it's not going to happen. That's that's just not... Like we just explained, it's, it's like you have to be almost perfect to do that. Winning the Champions League, I mean, once you get to the quarterfinals, you better be really, really good because the luck, luck doesn't take you through in the Champions League anymore. There we go, Carl, all done. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, thank you for everyone for tuning in to us. Um, no matter what podcast, however you listen to this, give us a like, whether it be YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Um, no matter where you listen to this, give us a like. Um, we play Chelsea tomorrow or today, whenever you listen to this, and hopefully we will be having a celebration with three points from them because I feel like we can beat them. We should beat them and we will beat them. Um, I will be seeing Femi tomorrow. Um, Femi, I apologise in advance for the amount of swearing I'm going to do because uh, if we don't win, I'm not going to be very happy. Um, We will talk. Uh, Danny, thank you for being the butter monkey. Thank you for hosting. No worries at all. Nick, thank you very, very much for coming on. Yeah, cheers. I've been on for a while. I've enjoyed that. I won't enjoy it tomorrow if Aubameyang scores a hat-trick. I'll blame that all on you, Carl. I promise you that man is not scoring a hat-trick. Um, if he scores a hat-trick, Chris is going to cut off all his hair. So it's definitely not happening uh, at all. And uh, Femi, thank you. And I shall definitely be seeing you tomorrow. Most definitely. You, I think you're sitting in my row or the row in front of me, so... Oh, good. I will allow you, Femi, to buy me a Coca-Cola wherever the Emirates was. <laughs> about suspensive there. Um, once again, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, that has been a Burkamp Wonder, the Nassau podcast, saying thank you very much for listening. And we shall see you tomorrow with the... Is there a post-game, Danny? Uh, preview about six-ish with me and Stan and a post-game with me and Deke five minutes after the game ends. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Thank you, everyone. Take care. See you later. Burkamp. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business.
He nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? So I was just eating a full quiche. Well, you don't often see them at him. So when you see them in the supermarket, they need to be swagged, microwaved immediately and get the brown sauce on them and bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>